It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. We are Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak for another edition of some free agency hubbub with this team that's been making a splash despite everyone saying every year, I guess you could say, they're in cap hell. Uh, there have been some readjustments to, to contracts. We have a number change, some legal news that's not involving Alvin Kamara. Uh, we heard from uh-huh. the new, Saints' new tight end, Juwan Johnson. Well, not new tight end, re-signed tight end, Juwan Johnson today. And then we'll also get into a little bit of what else this team needs to do in free agency and even in the draft going forward. I think we kind of say it all the time, Jeff, there really is no offseason and this offseason right now has definitely been more entertaining than the regular season was for me. Yeah, it's been busy. You know, I, I think the reason this 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 offseason feels a little crazier in terms of free agency, at least, is, you know, it's rare to see a team lose six free agents and possibly even rarer to see a team kind of being OK with losing six free agents. But that's what that's what's happened. Obviously, we don't need to go over them all again. We put out an episode yesterday kind of running through them all, but I will name them, right? So Marcus Davenport to the Vikings, Deontay Hardy to the Bills, Andy Dalton to the Panthers, Shai Tuttle to the Panthers, David Onyemata to the Falcons, and Caden Ellis to the Falcons. The Saints have replaced them, at least on the defensive tackle side, with Colin Saunders from the Chiefs. And I got that name right yesterday and today, so I'm winning. We don't know the specifics on his deal yet, but we do know the specifics on the other guy, which is Nathan Shepard. And we were talking about this before we came on. They they signed him to a three-year, $15 million contract. $10 million of that is guaranteed. I didn't expect it to be that big of a deal based on you know his production and career to this point. Um, and it makes you wonder like whether they were trying to re-sign Shy at all because he got three years, $19 million from the Panthers. And you have to imagine if they were really going after him, they could have gotten to that number if they were going to hand Colin Saunders. I'm sorry, if they were going to hand Nathan Shepard three years, 15 million. That's a big deal for him. And then obviously later in the day, three years, 12 million to Jamal Williams, who we're going to have a lot of, a lot of this segment here is going to be Jamal Williams vibes because I think more than anything else, what people need to understand about Jamal Williams is he is an experience. He's not just a football player. Yeah, and I, I love the move with the defensive tackles. To me, it was there was a pretty big drop off in that run defense last year. And I'm assuming that, you know, this was a clear shot and signal that they were out to upgrade there. And it's it's hard to say, you know, losing David Mod- David Onyemata was a good thing, but it just seemed like uh, we had talked about it before. He had reached his ceiling with his team uh, kind of deal. We knew what to expect kind of from him. 
And Shai Tuttle was always a decent rotational piece for this team. I, I just think that they got definitely good value with these moves and you're able to uh, address that position still that that's going to remain a need though going forward. I'll be interesting to see if there's any more free agents they decide to draft uh, to to bring into the team. But the, the NFL draft for me is still a must on the defensive tackle side. And yeah, I was really blown away with the signing. I couldn't believe they got Jamal Williams. I didn't think any way the Saints would be able to compete in that running back market for him. And it almost seems like they kind of snuck in with that deal for him. And uh, really surprising that the Detroit Lions let him go, especially just seeing not only obviously the touchdown production, but that emotional vocal voice in that locker room that you could tell people gravitated to. And I think that's that's something that I always struck me as a surprise with Demario Davis, not just his talent, but how the Jets let that voice out their locker room. With Williams, he even seems obviously like a more animated piece, and I cannot wait to see how that's paired up with a guy like Alvin Kamara. Yeah, so we're going to get into more of the the potential free agents, whatever, in the, in the final segment. So we can put a pin in that for now. One thing I do want to mention before we move on is the Marcus May had his charges refused by the DA for a lack of evidence. So he will not be facing any criminal charges in that. We're going to be on the lookout now for a potential suspension because that could still come down. So that's going to be something to watch heading into next season. And it might change what you do at safety, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the back half. Also, the Saints have re-signed Blake Gillikin, and he will be wearing number five. Derek Carr will be wearing number four. And if you go on Twitter, there's a very, very well-drawn uh, graphic by Blake um, that is that is, a, is not not great, actually. I take it back. It was It's ugly. But what is great is basically any soundbite you can find of Jamal Williams. And we're going to start with the one that that really, like, I, I wasn't even, I was kind of halfway aware of Jamal Williams, right? But then in week 18, they go out and they beat the Falcons. I'm sorry, they beat the Packers in a game that meant nothing to the Lions and everything to the Packers. And Jamal Williams breaks Barry Sanders' touchdown record. And then he's, yeah. he's talking to Lisa Salters. And, you know, I need you, I'm going to, I'm going to warm you up for this clip by saying it's going to start very, very emotional, but it, it will be hilarious by the end. And I need you to understand that going in, you're going to be like in the first like 30 seconds, you're going to be like, why are you playing me this clip? And then by the end of it, you're going to understand. So here it is. You broke Barry Sanders record. What does that mean to you? Uh, my great grandfather died on me. I'll just dedicate this to him. I'll just proud. I'm just grateful to do this for him. My grandfather, he was 92, but I'm just grateful for him to be in my life, and I'm grateful to be able to play football and do this for him. So there's a lot of memories, a lot of emotion happening right now, but I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to be able to play this game for my great-grandfather, and I'm glad that he's looking down on me. I know I'm making him proud. You said this ball's for him? Yeah, this is for him. Another thing, stop playing us, man. We made we the Detroit Lions. We the Detroit Lions. Stop playing with us. I don't even watch TV, but I heard everybody already picked their pick the Packers over us. Stop playing with us. That's all I gotta say, man. Don't let these tears fool you. It's all dog around this mug. I'm good. Former Packer right here. I saw you talking to Aaron Rodgers for quite a bit after. What'd you guys say? Man, I just appreciate him for my first four years in the league of just showing me how to be a professional. Love you too, buddy. Just showing me how to be a professional and 
just showing me how the league works and, you know, how to go about your business the right way. So I just gave him his appreciation of just showing me as as a vet. So, yeah, tears, then, then, then very, very righteous anger, and then all love. I'm grateful for everything. This is very funny to me. And that is Jamal Williams in a nutshell. You you hear that emotion, obviously, you know, paying homage to his grandfather. And towards the end of it, you hear him, all right, getting himself together. And then when he does finally get himself together with his feelings, you can tell then, wait a minute, you're right. It turns suddenly to to anger. Like, and you know what? You better stop stop doubting us. (laughs) Yeah, he experienced the entire, like, gamut of human emotions in, like, 90 seconds. There, it's all there. It's it's all in there. You can get it. You, you can stop it at any point and be like, okay, there's this, there's this. But yeah, like this is an emotional leader in the locker room. And like you kind of see that as you kind of go through these clips. Here is a clip of him kind of breaking down the huddle, which is pulled from Hard Knocks, which the Lions were on. I think this was this was prior to the 2022 season, obviously. And so his head coach is Dan Campbell. If you recall Dan Campbell, he was obviously a coach with the Saints for a while. And he's also kind of a passionate, like talks a lot guy. And I think they fit very well together. And I think if you're the Saints, you you need to be able to harness this in a way that's positive. And and, and it's funny because I've always kind of seen Alvin Kamara as a, as a lead by example guy as opposed to a lead by talking guy. And uh, I think Jamal is uh, quite the opposite in that respect. And here's that clip. Well, let's all know, man, today is the minimum of effort. Do not give up. Do not feel like you're tired. Were you tired? Think of last year and think of that record. Every time I get tired or I think I can't go no more, I think of that record. Last year wasn't it. That ain't us. We can make it. Have some heart. I get emotional about this. I'm about to cry because I care about y'all. Do your best. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Lions. Lions on three. One, two, three. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, obviously, you know, you, you, we heard the emotion talking about, you know, his grandfather. He's not af- afraid to bring that emotion in front of his teammates on a daily basis either. I can't wait for these dual interviews again. We used to get that with Boom and Zoom, you know, Ingram and, and Alvin Kamara. I can only imagine what the combo of Williams and Kamara is going to be like now. Yeah, well, it is going to be interesting to see, you know, and the only reason I'm bringing a lot of this up is because this is someone you are incorporating into your locker room. There's going to, there's a lot of character there, right? And you kind of saw this with, and and they're very different people, but CJ Gardner-Johnson was also a very big character in the locker room. And when it was going well, it was going well. When it was going badly, going badly. And then you saw him get traded out of town. And so I'm just, I think it is interesting to see this is a very, bombastic personality who's going to be added to the locker room and you got to accommodate that right like demario is the guy who makes that speech for the saints you know how do you how do you how do you how do you incorporate that um but then then you have moments you have moments like when he had a pair of reporters play rock paper scissors to ask him a question oh snap rock paper scissors rock paper scissors rock paper scissors Come on, keep going. Two out of three. All right, he won the first one. Come on, one more. Two out of three. Keep going. Oh, come on. All right, come on. All right, go ahead. (laughs) My favorite part is, so I put a thread of these together. My favorite part is when he's laughing at the end, he's like literally looking at the reporter who lost and pointing at him saying, ah. Um, One more. 
uh, this is this is Jamal getting very very offended at a reporter's pronunciation of the word Pokemon. Oh, also, he doesn't watch TV. I don't watch TV. <laughs> you didn't hear about it? I'm trying not to cuss. I don't Pokemon. Care. <laughs> I just want to play football and go home. You're holding me. You're holding me right now. I just want to go home and play Pokemon. We go home and play Pokemon. Yeah, huh? Pokemon. Yeah. Don't do that. You can't disrespect Pokemon like that. Pokemon. You sound like I got old. my nephew some Pokemon cards. They're kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what cards you got on. They must have sucked because you you calling them Pokemon. But it's a fine. Never mind. I'm off topic. Come on. My- there's, there's just so much there's just so much going on. What's awesome, too, is I'm sure you saw the uh, old BYU video of him and Taysom Hill together getting interviewed, and they played like a uh, family feud-style type of game, also a dating game, to, to, you know, questions about each other if they knew it, and uh, that's a reuni- reunion now on the Saints roster. That's going to be great as well. They look to be cutting up and having a good time with each other back at the BYU day, so we've had that Ohio State Buckeye you know, brotherhood. Now we've got a little bit of a BYU brotherhood between these two power backs. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is funny too, because every time you see someone out of BYU, you're like, oh my God, he's going to be like 33. Jamal Williams, it feels like he's been in the league forever. He's only 27. Right. Uh, right. Which is kind of like, it's kind of strange. Like you see, like that's kind of the deal with BYU guys, but he has managed to avoid that because he played four years for the Packers. He's now played two years for the Lions and now he's with the Saints. But yeah, you kind of get that just character that comes out. He's very outspoken. He's going to be the, you know, he's the guy who you better, he, he better put up because he's going to talk, right? Like the reason CJ was so effective was like, he's going to talk, but he's going to back it up. And, and it's a danger though, because you do, you, when you talk like that, and you get, and you, for example, you put out a clip like this. Next year, it gets very, very interesting, yeah. particularly with y'all, Green Bay, if Aaron Rodgers stays, and of course, Minnesota. What are your thoughts? No, it don't matter. We, we taking the North. <laughs> oh. The change has started. Like the tide of the season change has started. So, so like, if you're going to say stuff like that, you better back it up because that's bulletin board material for everyone else in the division. And two years ago, we heard that when the Giants were coming and CJ was like, oh, it's going to get late early in the Superdome, right? It was week four. The Giants were 0-3 and they came in and they beat them, right? And and it's like, that's the type of soundbite that gets held against you in those matchups. And it's like, you want to give as little of that material as possible to the point where it's like, you want it to fire up your team, but you don't want it to fire up the other team. Uh, and so that I think that's a balance you have to hit. And it's kind of interesting. And, you know, we're talking a lot about him as kind of a person in this. We are talking to him in person tomorrow. So uh, we're going to have a lot more in the next episode, you know, from his perspective. And we're going to ask him about, you know, his role in the offense, how he was able to score 17 touchdowns. And he, probably Naruto will come up at some point. So we're going to get him. We're going to talk to the other free agents as well. So we'll have a lot more on you know, kind of how he fits in the offense going forward. But I do feel like this is this topic and this this character it's himself is worthy of an entire segment of this podcast. Oh, for sure. Just because, yeah, that kind of animated output we see from players now is not very common. You, you know, we, we have a few characters in the Saints locker room. Obviously, we look forward to talking like an Alvin Kamara, a Cam Jordan, but yeah, the the... This guy seems to be even a different level to that. 
And comparing him with C.J. Gardner-Johnson, obviously, I, I see what you're going there, but C.J. is definitely more of the anti antagonizer. I don't see, like, Jamal Williams being like that on the field at all. To, he might be outspoken, yeah. but it's going to be more fun-loving, carefree kind of thing. I don't think he's pushing other folks' button. I don't know. No, yeah, he's not. I'm not talking about him on the field so much as I'm talking about him in the locker room. Okay. Right? Like on the field, I don't think he's like a guy who's trying to get under your skin, but, you know, he's going to score touchdowns and that's going to get under your skin on its own right. And, you know, we, you can, we, so here we go. We have one more clip that I'll play and it is a mic'd up segment. Um, okay. And I, I don't know how this is going to be without the, the, the video. It might be better. It might be worse because he makes <laughs> some funny sounds. Um, there's one you will hear him cackling and that and, and keep in mind that part which you will know when you hear it is him skipping out of the locker room with the team coming onto the field so so just envision that in your mind and understand when you get to it that's what's happening and because if i hear that at any point in the superdome next season i'm gonna lose it and uh, here's that clip making sure you was ready let's do it today i love you too Easy. Easy. Way to finish it. I'm happy when one of us score. I'm good. I'm happy. Hey! 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 Be good! Hey, nah, nah. What was all that for? I don't know what happened, man. Hey, that was you? Yeah! We owe y'all boys one. I get that, but damn. All right, all righty. He ain't do nothing. That sound like a little teddy bear. I'm so proud of you. The spin moves is unbelievable. Hopefully Madden boosts up my speed a little bit. Ooh, 144. Hell yeah. How does that work? So, you know, we, we talk about kind of the antics on the field of like a CJ and he's constantly getting other people's skin. And he has guys throwing punches at him. That's not the type of like they are very different, right? In terms of you can hear that it's more of a kind of fun loving experience. And it's just a mic'd up segment. You don't know all of what he's saying, but yeah, it's it's a it's a different type of thing, and he's a different type of guy. Um, and I think fans will quickly start to learn that. Yeah, he's definitely going to become an early favorite, and yeah, it's so looking forward to seeing the Saints press conference tomorrow. What he's going to bring, and uh, yeah, definitely tune into Sports Talk Friday on WWL. We're only 4 to 5.30, but we're going to be packing it with a bunch of uh, free agency punch, and Jamal Williams will be one of those guys we talk to. Yep, Jamal Williams, Colin Saunders, and Nathan Shepard. We'll have all Trifecta. three of them. But all right, let's wrap up, let's wrap up that segment, and uh, we're going to come back, and we're going to talk more about Jawan, who we talked about today. He got that new two-year, $12 million contract, and he had a lot of interesting things to say. So we're going to have a good chunk of that interview that we will play, and then we'll talk about it. That's what a podcast is. Size life. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. And it has reached the point in the season where we get to start talking to the players who signed their contracts. We got to talk to JT Gray earlier in the week. And today we talked to Jawan Johnson who, man, I enjoy talking to Juwan Johnson. He's a fun guy. He has a kid on the way. That's exciting for him. And uh, yeah, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. And 
you know, one thing that has always stood out to me about Juwan Johnson is he just seems so grateful all the time, <laughs> right? Like yeah. he's just, it's very much a, I'm just happy to be here vibe. And I think, you know, that's just something when you're a UDFA and you come into the NFL, it just makes a lot of sense, right? Like it's hard to even make a roster, let alone get a second contract. And so when you hear, when you hear Juwan talk, it's so much of it is just like, thank you. <laughs> and it's kind of refreshing, I think. That appreciation, as you know, too, goes into uh, obviously the coaching staff, the players, his, his his teammates, but also the entire equipment crew. He he's a guy that helps clean up the locker room after games, which is wild to me. Yes, yes, he sticks around late after games and like cleans up all the tape and stuff Who, off the floor, the and they even gave him that. like a a like honorary equipment shirt. It's just like it is a very unique person. And he's a, you know, he's a unique build. You know, he's six four, about 235. He looks bigger. He looks like he's continued to put on weight. Every time I see Juwan, it looks like he's gained a pound from the last time I saw him. And and that is by design. That is intentional. He is he wants to be uh bigger because you have to block as a tight end, and he is aware of that. Um, but yeah, so last year's numbers, you know, they don't jump off the page, right? 42 yard, 42 catches, 508 yards, seven touchdowns. Those seven receiving touchdowns led the Saints in that category. But you, when you look at it, you see a guy who is getting better and better every season. And I think it was very, very clear that you were going in that direction. And as you kind of see him progress, he's going to have a bigger and bigger role. And I think two years, 12 million, that's a, that's a contract you give somebody that you expect to contribute. Yeah, and we've heard him talk about how obviously grateful he is and how much more now – that means he's got to produce for this team since they've invested in him. You, you love that type of attitude from a guy. And, yeah, I'm excited about the continued development of a Jawan Johnson, still very young and learning a position that is still fairly new to him, obviously a converted wide receiver. So uh, that is another process in itself that is going to be interesting to see because – We've seen him adapt so quickly and take on that role as this needed, obvious, big target uh, for, for this team that hasn't been around. And just to pair him up now with a Derek Carr, a more uh, able quarterback, I'm sure he's going to love that too, missing those days, obviously, of uh, Drew Brees being around. Yeah, sorry, I got a little distracted because Princeton upset Arizona. It's a 15 over a two. It is March Madness, so I will occasionally get distracted. And well, you might hear a well, ding that, or two. That, that's going to bust up a bunch of brackets. <laughs> My Elite Eight was was Virginia versus Arizona. Just, <laughs> so that's gone. This bracket is toast. <laughs> I was going to say, you were just going back and forth, too, on some of the odds of, you know, the we were saying that, you know, Tennessee got ousted. That happens occasionally with fours. You know, not really, though, with three and twos and obviously not with ones either. Nope. But uh, yes. So Arizona, the Arizona Wildcats are no longer in the tournament. So this bracket, I'm going to stop watching because I have already have no chance. Even I, I think if, even if UConn wins it all, I probably still won't get it because I have UConn winning it all because I'm a homer. But no, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Jawan Johnson. And we have... You know, I trimmed this this down a bit. It, you know, his interview was about 12 minutes today. This is about a seven-minute clip. But I think there was a lot of really intriguing answers and, and comment commentary in there. So we're going to play you a good chunk of that. 
and uh, we'll talk about it afterwards. But here's that. I, I hope you got him talking about car needing to better his food choices. Of course I did. You think I would <laughs> cut that out? Anyway, here's that clip. Now, Juwan, how much more do you feel like you have to give? Because it feels like you just kind of scratched the surface. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the thing about me, like, I, I got the biggest chip on my shoulder. Like, you got to think about the top guys just talking about, you know, the draft. Like, I'm probably one of those guys who aren't drafted. Every top guy you see that's at the tight end position is drafted. You see Kelsey Kittle, you know, TJ, um, Mark Andrews, uh, Darren Wallace, all those guys, all those guys are drafted. Um, and so I'm coming in with the biggest chip because I'm a guy that's undrafted. And so, and I'm still trying to, you know, prove, I mean, not really trying to prove myself, but trying to get my name in there. And so, um, yeah, I still got the biggest chip on my shoulder. And even then I still will have the biggest chip on my shoulder just because, you know, I was undrafted and nobody wanted to take a chance on me. But you know, the Saints did, uh, luckily, when, uh, when after everything was done. Does it show maybe the commitment? I mean, how quickly it got done? Yeah, it, was, it happened really quick. I mean, for me and my wife, it felt like eternity because we just wanted to get it done right after the season. But, uh, you know, my agent, AJ Vandercheck, he's he done a really good job, you know, with handling everything when I couldn't and, uh, you know, really explaining everything to me and making sure I got a good deal, you know, out of it. And also uh, the Saints getting a good, a good deal out of it. So it was a win-win situation for the both of us. Um, I'm glad we got it done. We got two more years to, you know, Get a get a championship to the city. You mentioned Darren Waller. You know a lot of success with Derek Carr. Now Derek right. Carr is here in New right. Orleans. How excited are you about that match? I'm really excited. Uh, obviously, you know Darren is he's blowing up. He's done a really good job. Uh, he's now with the Giants, which is crazy. I'm just like, man, this is crazy that he's on the Giants. But um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I mean, he's done such a great job with Derek, and I'm excited to you know pick uh, Derek's brain about Darren and how he was successful and how I could you know tweak a little thing and, and put my own little flavor on it. And so we could be successful as well, but uh, not only be successful, but you know, win games and win a division to get back to what all these banners are about, and uh, and just doing that. Have you talked to Derek besides text or? Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I talked to Derek quite a bit, um, just catching up, just trying to get familiar with each other. I send him a food list. Uh, one of my friends had a food list, so I gave him a food list because he can't eat, you know, Chipotle. I think I heard that in an interview. <laughs> I'm like, bro, like this is this is not it. And so I sent him a food list because just so he can get accustomed to, you know, New Orleans and how we eat. He'll probably put on, you know, five, ten pounds by next week. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for him to, you know, to enjoy uh, the culture that's around here. And you obviously new position coach. Have you gotten a chance to sit down with Clancy at all? You know, kind of talk about the future. Of yeah, uh, we definitely text. So we text. Uh, we got on a call. Uh, it was really good. I mean, he, he's he's coached a lot of good people like Algie Crumpler, uh, uh, Julius uh, Julius Thomas, and uh, also. Antonio Gates. So, so being with guys like that, um, and and the, and the high-profile guys that they were, and, and being dominant at, at the tight end position, that's somewhere that I want to be. And so, uh, obviously talking to him, picking his brain, and I told him straight out, just like I told Dan, is I want to be the best tight end uh, in the league. So, not only here, but just like, just just in general, I want to be the best tight end. So, wherever you gotta give me, however hard you gotta coach me, like that's what I want the expectation to be. When you were talking about your journey, I mean, like it's it's hard enough for an undrafted player to make a roster, but right. to, to get the second contract mm -hmm. as well. What kind of kept you through and, yeah. and got you to this point? I would say uh, my wife. My wife has definitely got me through, um, definitely with the home cooked meals. But uh, but no, I, I think it's definitely been just her being there for me because there are definitely some rough times and definitely times where I'm just like, man, like this is tough. Like this is really hard because you know, obviously, you know, my first year I didn't really play much. I was much on practice squad. 
and then you know getting signed and then I was like all right well I want more and so I'm on the field I'm just on passing routes I'm like oh I want more so then next year you know I'm in running and passing so at, at some point like yes um, I'm happy where I'm at but I'm not content and so I want more you know than what's given to me and obviously I want to that's going to come with work and you know putting the work in. So what's the next step for you? Uh, well I mean just winning 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 championships that's that's really what it, what it comes down to I know uh, we won a division my rookie year, and two years ago, uh, for two years straight, Tampa has been winning it. So, you know, we got to have our number on Tampa this year. But I think the biggest thing is just, you know, winning those divisional games, and we just gotta, we just gotta, you just gotta get those wins. You gotta go back to Saints football, and that's what um, me and uh, JT, uh, the coach, were talking about. Just getting back to what we know. I think that's the biggest thing. You told us last year that you have the highest expectations of you. Like nobody has more higher expectations of you than yeah. you. How yeah. does? getting another contract with this team. How does that impact? Yeah, it, it, it heightens it even more. I mean, you got to think about it. They, they've invested in me now. And so now it's like, all right, I need to be doing more with this. And not even just that is that I'm, I'm doing this game, you know, for fun. Like, we get paid to, to do something like this. I'm like, bro, like, this is something that I've been doing since I was a kid, and I get paid for it. And so um, it's really just doing it for the love of the game, but also, like, not pressure, but also, like, all right, we're giving you something. So what can you do with it more so? Because... I mean, when you get handed something, you get you get received more with it. So I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's do it. You mentioned getting back to Saints football. Last, yeah. well, last one for me, at least. Yeah. Um, what is Saints football for you if you wanted to? If you could I mean, you got to look at all these banners. I mean, when I came in here, like, there there wasn't any losing seasons. There weren't losing seasons. There weren't, you know, trailing by. There was just complete dominating football. I mean, smart football, dominating football, no turnovers. And if where were turnovers, not many. Like, I remember uh, before my rookie, they were like, they had the least amount of turnovers uh, that year. So I, I know what Saints football is. I mean, I've watched it. And so, you know, being here and, and being involved in that, knowing that Drew was here, and Drew was, you know, the corporate of all of that, you know, knowing how the Saints should be playing football. And so uh, just knowing that we got away from it was kind of disheartening. But knowing that we know what it is, there's a lot of people still in that offense, still in that new regime, in that regime that uh, Sean was in. And so, you know, people know what it is. And so we just have to get back to it and be disciplined and, and know that we can reach that, and even better. All right, but yeah, as Steve mentioned before we went into that, Juwan has graciously sent Derek Carr his list of food recommendations so he can stop ending up at Chipotle, because that's not cool. I guess that'd be like going into town somewhere, say, hey, Jeff, you just got a gig in Tennessee, and you're going to, you know, your first... Uh, introductory podcast press conference and you stop it like a Chick-fil-A on the way kind of thing. I get it. It wasn't like he actively chose like, oh, we're going to Chipotle because that's Louisiana. It was just, hey, it was where we happened to be in town. It's the best you can find. Um, yeah, exactly. I think it, well, we were, I was talking to Mike Triplett and he was saying like, he, he tweeted that and then someone responded. He was like, this is New Orleans. You can get better food at a gas station. <laughs> And he's like, that's true. You can. He doesn't know that. And, and then someone responded. It was like, this man is not arriving in New Orleans with his wife and four children and saying, we're going to go eat at Brown Derby or like, like we're going to walk into this gas station and get whatever Danny food they're serving. And get a sandwich. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's not, that's not happening. <laughs> it was like, that's very true. Like he's just like, what will my kids eat? <laughs> I swear they say this boudin, which is like a rice sausage kind of thing here, is delicious from this Texaco on the corner here. 
<laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> I've heard crispy, crunchy chicken is solid, but I can't find it anywhere that doesn't also like sell cigarettes behind the counter. So what are we going to do? Uh, let's go to Chipotle. Anyway, uh, I, I appreciate that. Jawan said a few other things. And one of them was, you know, he he talked about how when he first got here, his rookie season, obviously the Saints won the NFC South. It was 2020. And that was the COVID year. So everything was kind of skewed. But, you know, he talked about a team that didn't make silly mistakes, that that won a lot of games and played winning football. And he admitted that, you know, the last two years, they've gotten away away from that. They have not played that type of football. And that's what has to change. And that's refreshing to hear because it's true. And we've talked about that extensively is like, you can't make the type of mistakes the Saints have been making the last two years and, and expect to win football games. And you can blame a lot of it on injuries in terms of you might be starting people who you weren't intending to, and you might not have the type of talent up and down the roster that you would have hoped to have, but that's not, that's not the whole sum of it. There are a lot of instances where you're like, no, you could have just played better and you would have won this game. You, you had the, you have the talent to win this game and you just aren't doing it. And I think that's something that, you know, it's, it's rare to hear someone admit that in that type of interview. And I think it's true. And it's, it's, I think if more people kind of approached it with that attitude, I think things would start turning around. Yeah, definitely think that you, you, he talked about having getting back to Saints football and obviously what that means. And it's it's nice that he got a taste, obviously. Some of these guys weren't around for the Sean Payton, Drew Brees era kind of deal. Jawan, though, it's really impressive just to see the strides he's made since coming in. And I thought what really impressed me when we were in Green Bay last year during the preseason, that week we spent there, he really even talked about just the transition from going from that wide receiver position to tight end and how much more respect he had knowing the intelligence and how much more of a mind you need to be as a tight end and how, how crucial that role really is. And just really impressed all around with his production. I think uh, we see it continue to grow as that target. I hope he can be that quote unquote security blanket for a guy like uh, Derek Carr. But yeah, we we there were times last year you I felt like you could clearly see that Dalton was looking for him, especially in the red zone. Yeah, you'd like to see him not disappear as often as he does. I think that's true for me. That was the thing. It's like you'll see these flashes, and you're like, okay, why is this not more consistent? Why is 42 catches not 70 catches? Um, obviously, he missed a couple games with injuries last year, but there were games where you know he would make splashes, and then he would be like, where where'd he go? Where where has he been the rest of this game? And you know, you like to say, I can that. say that about everyone, though. <laughs> not to that extent. Not to the no, extent where you're you scoring mean, seven touchdowns, yeah. and then all of a sudden you disappear for an entire entire half, right? Especially in a season when you didn't have the the you know you didn't have a Mike Thomas eating up all the targets. You didn't have you know Rashid Shahid wasn't there for the first six games, right? Chris Olave missed multiple games with injuries, and that was where you wanted to see him kind of take control, and he didn't. And th- so that's the next step, I think. And you know, I asked him about, you know, what kind of conversations he's had with Clancy Barone, the new tight ends coach. And, you know, Jawan is well aware of the fact that he's worked with Antonio Gates and Algie Crumpler and Julius Thomas, and these guys. And that's the type of names he wants to be mentioned with. And I don't I don't know how realistic that is. Um, I don't know if he's going. He wants to be kind of talked about in the same breath as a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle. And, you know, one of the things that I I find very intriguing is 
you know, when you look at a guy like Darren Waller, there are a lot of similarities there in terms of the athleticism and the way they move around. And Derek Carr was able to do really impressive things with Darren Waller, not so much the last two seasons. But, you know, if you go back to 2020, I think he's still catching passes against the Saints in that game. And if you can have that type of impact out of the tight end position, you're going to win a lot more games. Yeah, I'm not sure how many games Waller honestly played this past season. I know he was dealing with a bunch of injuries. It was an issue there. But I I think that, you know, with Johnson, Juwan Johnson's continued work, yeah, I don't know if he can get into that you know, elite upper echelon names that you, you might have, you know, mentioned there before that Clancy Barone's work with. But I do have a hell of a lot of faith that Barone knows how to get the best of what Juwan has to offer. So definitely excited for that. Darren Waller has played in 20 games, which means he has missed 14 games the last two seasons. But if you go back to 2020, you're talking about 107 catches, 1196 yards, nine touchdowns, right? Like, like you said, that most of that total might have been against the Saints. A good, a good like at least 10 <laughs> catches and a touchdown. Yeah. And Unreal, right? so, yeah, I mean, you're looking at Jawan. So, 42 catches, 508 yards, seven touchdowns. You know, I think I don't know if you're going to have opportunities to get m- much more than seven touchdowns. Maybe you can tick that number up a little bit, but you'd like to see that catch total be in the 60s to the 70s, maybe 800, 900 yards. And then you you kind of grow from there. So that that is my hope for this season. Obviously, you hope he can stay healthy. You hope Derek Carr can stay healthy. And then you want to see the per-game numbers be a little bit more consistent. But, you know, I think the trajectory he's on, right? So if you go back to 2021, you're talking about 13 catches for 159 yards and four touchdowns, right? So, you know, the year before that, four catches, 10 yards, uh, 39 yards, and no touchdowns. And he was actually a wide receiver at that point. No, saying his first year... Um, obviously then the switch over to tight end. Yeah. And I mean, the, and the per catch average is about the same. It was 12.2 yards in 2021, 12.1 in 2022, along of 41, 25 first downs. And, you know, I, I, I think he's obviously not a wide receiver, but in terms of being Michael Thomas insurance, I think it is helpful because he can do a lot of the things that Michael Thomas does well, if you need him to like in the red zone and he can go box somebody out and make a contested catch. I think that's somewhere else. That is somewhere else that he does need to improve a little bit is I think he was a little weak in the contested catch area last season. There was too many balls that kind of bounced off his hands. And so that's stuff you want to improve on, but I think he's, he's got the right mindset to do it. We need to bring, well, the saints need to bring somebody in. That's a contested catch specialist. This training campus, that's definitely I felt an area that was lacking all over last year, especially for a guy like Olave who needs uh, either tutelage from can't guard Mike or, like I said, whatever uh, contested catch specialist you can find to to teach that. I know a lot of it is obviously instinct and skill you already have, but I feel like there's there's things you could do to improve that uh, in this game on this team overall. It would help if Michael Thomas was that contested catch specialist. Oh yeah, uh, right. So. But all right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back and we're going to talk more about you know, what we think the Saints still need to do to kind of wrap up this free agency and offseason cycle and be in the best position going forward. We obviously talked about all the moves at the top, so we're not going to get too much into those, but keep it locked on Inside Black and Gold.
we're back. It's Inside Black and Gold. My name is Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can follow him at Steve Geller WWL. Do it. Do it. We're going to talk about the Saints and what they have left <laughs> to do. Like we, we went over the moves they made. Now we're going to talk about the moves we can see them making. And, and just to recap, they did re-sign Blake Gilligan. He's the most recent. He's going to change to number five. Derek Carr is going to wear number four. Um, that's a that's a, that was an important signing. I would have been a little disappointed if they ended up just saying, "Yeah, let's go find another punter." We actually saw him at the facility today. Um, we were talking to Juwan. They were doing that pro day for uh, Louisiana schools like McNeese and Southern and Southeastern and and all that. So good to see him back. But yeah, what Steve? What what would you say if you had to look at kind of? the most important position the Saints still need to address. What would you, what would you, what would you look at? I still want to look at more for defensive tackle just because it was a big need, uh, obviously going into this. And I know they got two pieces already. Uh, definitely think they'll address it in the draft. But I, like I said, I'd still look around on the free agent market to see uh, if there's any possible depth positions you could put on for rotation and then I'm curious about safety, you know, just because we've we know we've got Taran Matthew, Marcus May, but you know the the depth concern there is a question. And I know a guy like PJ Williams has not been re-signed yet, and you would that's someone you you know you could rely on uh, in those situations. So yeah, I think uh, safety, even corner. Uh, I'm looking in the secondary. Uh, running back, I think you're good now in the free agency market. Maybe you still address it kind of in the draft, but I, I don't really know if they they target another back in this free agent market right now. Although, obviously, there's there's some names out there that are interesting if you want to you know kick the tires on, but I think that the Saints pretty much know what they have in Jamal Williams too. And you know it's really great. Obviously, we saw him in an increased role last year. If Kamara's forced to miss that time, you you could lead on him a little more instead of just in that timeshare kind of deal. Yeah, I'm interested to kind of talk to him about his role as a pass catching back when we when we talk to him tomorrow because yeah. he only caught 12 passes last season, 16 targets, and that's it's crazy low number when you just consider like how much he was actually on the field. And I, I'm curious whether that was kind of a design thing, whether he was just you know a red zone guy. I had obviously didn't watch a ton of Lions games because why would I? You know, I, I watched a few. You know, I watched that Packers game. I was able to watch the Lions Giants game, and he dominated in both those games on the ground. You know, and and because I, I remember him being a more pass catching guy when he was in Green Bay. So, and I think that's something he's going to have to. I don't think the Saints would have signed him if they didn't feel comfortable with his ability to catch the football. Um, yeah, maybe it was more no, the issue so of Goff getting the ball. Well, right. I think it's it's something to do with the offense and, and how it kind of operated. But that's going to be something that you're going to have to look at. Yeah, you mentioned defensive tackle. And one thing I think is worth mentioning, and I think we might have hit on this at the top, is the comp pick formula. And I could see the Saints kind of being aware of that and not necessarily dipping their toes back into the free agent pool extensively until – that kind of deadline is up just like they did last year with Tyron Matthew. One of the reasons 
you waited so long to make that signing was because at the time you did it, you were able to sign him and not have it count against you in the comp pick formula. And that's why they have a seventh round comp pick this year, as opposed to no comp pick this year. You had six players depart in free agency, and you can pretty much just kind of like cross out three of those based on the signings you made and Colin Saunders, Nathan Shepard, and Jamal Williams. Any more, and you will be crossing out some of the bigger deals that that went out. Um, and so you will be hurting yourself in terms of maybe getting a comp pick. So I, as I say that, you know, it's like you look at the defensive tackle market. I've seen a lot of people say, oh, we want to bring Calais Campbell. You know, I think Sheldon Rankins was a popular name. He signed with the Texans. But I right. think that if you're signing anyone before the draft, you are looking at somebody like Kentavia Street, Malcolm Roach, Albert Huggins. All three of those guys were on the roster last year and will not be free agents, technically. Like, it won't be a comp pick situation. So you could re-sign those guys and it would not impact you. Now, the factor there is, okay, what does Todd Grantham think of those guys? Because we know what Ryan Nielsen thought of those guys and like a Contavia Street who he coached at NC State. But you have a new defensive line coach now. And so I think that's going to be a factor. And I think that Malcolm Roach for sure comes back unless he gets a, a bigger deal elsewhere than the Saints are willing to commit to. But I would be surprised if he doesn't come back. I would still be surprised if Contavious doesn't end up on the Falcons. And I don't know about Albert Huggins, but I don't think he's going to have a huge market. So I think, to me, that's where I think you add at least one more defensive tackle. And then you kind of look to the draft. As far as the safeties are concerned, like we talked about at the top, it's great that Marcus May is not going to face any charges from that incident in terms of the legal aspect of it. But what it does open up now is that now that that case is kind of closed in terms of, in a, from a legal sense, there is a good chance that he faces some form of discipline from the league. I don't know what it might be, but it's not, you know, it's, it, he, it would not be his first offense if that, that makes sense. I think he had an issue previously. And so you do start to wonder if that is something that might come back to haunt him. And if that's the case, you will need some depth behind him. And I think that's, that's a bigger question in terms of, do you go sign a free agent? And I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, the, the question too, is there, there's someone, you know, uh, it's quick to forget about, but when you say his name, you're like, oh yeah, of course. I was just looking at, you know, depth chart stuff. I got like smoke Monday. We'll see how he does coming back from injury, but obviously far from being any kind of proven product, we haven't seen anything from him. Right. Like he's a guy who you're cautiously optimistic might, might <laughs> yeah. be able to have a role, but you can't go into a season saying, yeah, we're going to trust him to start multiple games if he has to. Right. So you, you also would look at a guy like PJ Williams, who, you know, it feels inevitable. He signs another one year deal because he always signs another one year deal. Daniel Sorensen is still out there. I think I, I wouldn't, be surprised if they brought him back you know i think he played pretty well in, in in the circumstances you needed him he had two interceptions justin evans is a guy you could bring back although i'm not sure he's a guy you bring back with the intention to start i think he's going to be a depth guy and i also don't think you want him to be your deep safety and then you know i think that's about it right and you did sign ugo amadi but he is a cornerback i don't think you're going to convert him to safety and uh, yeah, so I, I think you're going to have to do something there. And I don't know if the draft is where you're going to do it. So I think that's going to be a position to watch. But these are, I would agree that those that, that 
with the signing of Jamal Williams, defensive tackle and safety are the two positions that you do need to make a move at one way or the other. What's curious too is like what a what about wide receiver? Um, you know, we haven't really heard anything from uh Marquez Callaway. Uh would be curious, is he gonna end up coming back? And if it's someone that ends up somewhere else, that's really obviously not a huge loss for this team either. I, I think they could, you know, look to upgrade there. I think Callaway is a great personality. I just haven't seen enough production from him in situations. Right, right too many where he maybe missed out on a ball then made a play in a key situation kind of deal. Yeah, if you had asked me this time last year whether Marquez Calloway would have been re-signed, I would have said 100%. But he just did not have the impact last year that you would have hoped, especially in the instances where you needed him. You know, and I think his hands let him down a couple times. You know, you could you could say he was directly responsible for at least one pick six. You could make a uh, an argument that he was responsible for both pick sixes in the sense that he dropped a catchable ball right before the second one. But he's a guy you could bring back. So if you're looking at depth, a guy who knows the offense, he's going to be out there. I would be surprised if he has a market, you know, in terms of other teams yeah. really kind of knocking the door down for him. So I think he's going to be a guy you can bring back. Jarvis Landry is also still a free agent. You could go get him as well. But like you're looking at Michael Thomas and saying, we need Michael Thomas insurance. Well, Jarvis Landry is a guy who each of the last two years has missed significant time with injuries. So I don't think the smart move is to back up a guy who you think is injury prone with a guy who is also injury prone. So I think that's an unlikely thing. Um, that's a problem same, to me too. Same story would be with Odell Beckham. Like he's also exactly a guy who's where we're going. Right. I was thinking because you know fans are clamoring for that as well. Obviously, another former LSU Tiger they'd leave, love to see coming back to New Orleans kind of deal. But yeah, the the injury issues uh, are the biggest factor there. And I think obviously the one handed catch it just looms and stays in everyone's head is what you always think about Odell Beckham. But he he's just not that dude anymore. Although he was. He really was having a great Super Bowl till he got hurt. Yeah, I mean, I think he could be that dude. Like, I don't know if 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 like I think he's still going to be an effective wide receiver. I just don't. I I don't know what his market's going to be. I don't know how much he's going to demand. And like the Saints aren't giving giving away much above the minimum at this point in terms of a a wide receiver. I also don't know how he'd fit in this offense. Like, I don't know what his role would be. Yeah, I mean, we know what we have. The Saints know what they have in a guy already with Thomas, hopefully, who can stay or even at least start the season with this team. Uh, what Olave brings, I'm going to uh, figure that Rashid Shahid's going to have more of a, a presence, too, hopefully, in this offense. And, we, yeah, no, where, where are you going to stick a guy like OBJ? But, obviously, if he was interested in a New Orleans coming back home kind of thing, I, I would find it hard not to try and fit him in just because of that talent the potential talent he does bring to an offense that's lacking, you know, that was lacking in so many areas and you just add another weapon to it. I mean, the, the Saints offense is looking pretty potent already and would just uh, be even more impressive. But I still think they do need to address the wide re receiver position some, especially losing a guy to like a Deontay Hardy. I mean, he wasn't a huge Ooh. factor in, in the offense, more of a special teams dude, but he was being worked in and it'll be interesting. I think... He's going to have to find that role more 
in on offense uh, where he's headed instead of just being that special teams guy. So uh, I just looked up. Here's here's a list of the top ten free agents available. Number one is Dalton Schultz from the Cowboys, who it's surprising to me. And number two, can you guess who it is? Hmm. OBJ. No. Close. No. Also, also an initials guy. Who am I missing on? CJ GJ. Oh, I thought we were just talking wide receivers or like pass catchers. No, Dalton Schultz was number one. <laughs> Did that not give it away? I'm surprised Schultz is even over Gardner Johnson even then. I mean, he was, he was good. I mean, there's not that many tight ends, but yeah, so CJ Gardner-Johnson is the number two player on this list. You know, for a guy who is very confident that he deserved a big contract, no one's given him that contract. Well, um, what's amazing, they, yeah. we heard last uh, the other night that came out on Twitter, oh, CJ Gardner-Johnson's got a visit set up with Denver. And it was like, all right, it figures. But after that visit, the next morning, he's tweeting about disrespect. And they don't, you know, it's like, so I guess he didn't, Seeing Sean wasn't that great of a reunion. They didn't must have not mentioned the right numbers to him because the last I feel like we talked to him, Jeff, was he him gladly telling us how much that he was the top slot corner in the NFL, and then he had a hell of a season with six interceptions, though. See, but that's the thing is he's not asking to be paid like a slot corner. He's asking to right. be paid like an elite safety. Top. And right. you saw Jesse Bates getting sixty million dollars from the Falcons, and he thinks. <laughs> Why am I not getting $60 million? I led the league in interceptions last year. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so he's like, give me a full season, I'll have 12. No cap. Yeah, and he did miss He did miss several games. Like, he, he missed a good portion of the season, and he did still led the league in interceptions. So he has an argument. But I will say, like, tips and overthrows are not getting you $60 million. And, and so, like, interceptions can be a tough metric, right? Like, Daniel Sorensen had two interceptions. It's not because he, you know, he ball hawked a bunch of passes. It's because the ball fell into his hands twice. And thanks the Lord that, yes, he was able to hold on to him because, man, it seemed this year, this past season, the Saints couldn't catch any breaks except for maybe um, Sorensen, who, yeah, like you said, right place, right time kind of dude. Yeah, so there's one player on this list that I, I think could be interesting if you get down the road and no one brings him in. DJ Chark. Remember that guy? I did see the Panthers were actually looking to bring him in for a visit. I don't know why he why he can't hold on to a job. Um, but I've always been I've always liked DJ Chark. But okay, I think that's it for me. Did you have anything else you wanted to hit before we go? And I I I, you know, like drink and and remember the bracket that I thought was so good until the game started. Pour one out for your bracket. All right. No, I just, um, I thought it was, I'm glad you brought up CJ Gardner Johnson. I obviously, I don't think there will be that reunion in new Orleans, but it would be kind of funny after all the, that the crap that was given to the saints for trading him. We even did it as well for the lack of compensation. You got back in return. If you managed to somehow, some way find a d- way to, you know, the money to bring him back, but yeah, for what the what he's looking for, there ain't bring no him way. back. Come on, there's no way it's going to happen. Plus, even I was surprised to see when he was in Philly, kind of diss the Saints locker room, which I didn't appreciate. I was surprised by that. They're not bringing him back. I mean, like, there's no way they're not bringing him back. You uh, know, fans would love it though because of his personality and all. He just brings that spark, and I know folks felt that was missing, and it really was that kind of edge, that attitude from the team this year. But I, I, I don't think financially, it's just. It's not going to happen, honestly. There's nothing to do with financials. There's nothing to do with financials. See, I think it's all back. financials, and that's why they got rid of them. 
No, not no 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 no. <laughs> they were they weren't going to pay him. Right. They did not get rid of him because they weren't going to pay him. That's not why. They got rid of him when they did. Like they would have much rather had him play out his contract. Like they would have allowed him to do that and they would have been happy about it. He made the situation untenable because he was not going to just calmly sit there and not get paid. He it's was suddenly about, missing like, from they, training camp. Well, right, right. Like he was a hold in at training camp. Like yes. he like it, it's it was not like, oh, we can't afford him this season. It was we're not gonna pay him next season, and he's gonna make us have to do something this season. And so that's why you traded him. And then since that point, it's now not about the money at all. It's about the fact that he's been sitting there just talking shit. <laughs> like like relentlessly. What's amazing, he went to Philly and didn't squawk there about a contract after getting dealt there. He just went out and played. Right, right. If he had done that in New Orleans, it would have been a fan favorite. And they would have been like, well, thanks. You can go get your deal now. And you would have all <laughs> moved on. Like what he did in Philadelphia is what he refused to do here which is play on the final year of his contract. Right, which I thought was so damn odd. Well, I mean, I understand why he didn't want to play out. Like, like you don't want to play that final year on a contract that only has paid you $4 million over four seasons in the NFL and you deserve a lot more and you've outplayed that contract. I get that. But, like, you went to Philadelphia and you didn't, and you didn't feel that way. So it, it's – I don't know. Uh, we'll see. And I think what's happening now is I, I imagine – is Philadelphia has offered him a deal. He doesn't think it's good enough. So he's he's testing his market and seeing what he can get. It's kind of like Lamar Jackson, right? Like, obviously, they're very different players in terms of Lamar Jackson as a league MVP. And, but, like, you know, Lamar's asking for $240 million completely guaranteed. And the, the Ravens are like, no, why would we do that? And no one's going to give him that. And he's going to find that out. And he's going to go back. And the Ravens are going to be like, well, how does that deal look now? And he's probably going to accept it. Um, and I think that's probably where you're at with the Ravens to, or with the with CJ and the Eagles. And he's going out to Denver and saying, hey, Sean, are you going to pay me $20 million a season? And he's like, LOL, no. And uh, and then it's like, wow, so disrespectful. So what's and, wild to me is, you know, we, we've seen, you know, Atlanta overspending a little here because they've got the money. They could do the ultimate troll job on the Saints here and bring in a Gardner Johnson and all of a sudden have him in the mix on that defense over there. Obviously, questioning now if, if there isn't even interest, does that say something a little that Ryan Nielsen has no real desire to bring in a guy like that? It's a good point. I don't know. Um, it's but, just weird I mean, to me too. It's going to be tough if you know if he's asking if the issue is he's asking for an exorbitant amount of money, and you've just paid Jesse Bates an exorbitant amount of money. I feel like that's a tough sell to sign two safeties to above market deals in the same offseason. So yeah, I was just gonna say maybe Panthers, but they got Von Bell. Yeah. I I also feel like every team in the division is probably like, I know that guy. I don't like that guy. <laughs> you know? Like I feel like he it, like the teams he's played regularly, the players on those teams are probably like, I don't want that guy, that guy's mean to me. I don't want yeah, him. Yeah, maybe it's like, oh, that that antagonistic personality is cool to have on game day. But do we want his ass around here all the time, like making all these wise remarks and getting on everybody's shit? I, I don't know. I, oh, yeah. To me, to me, Gardner Johnson obviously seems like that perfect fit again with Sean Payton. Even though Sean Payton is not a defensive coordinator, those guys just seem like they'd be there's the, there's that peanut butter and jelly match there for them. They just would get along great. And I think 
Peyton could keep kind of CJ in line, if you want to call it that. I think the only way you keep CJ in line is you win games. <laughs> and like that's what the Eagles had going for him last year is it makes it's a lot more it's a lot more uh attractive to play out your final year of a deal on a team that's what what they go 15 and uh, 14 and 2 13 and 3 I, I don't remember but like on a team that you know hasn't lost in 10 games and is uh you know going to the Super Bowl but like he also did suffer like a significant injury right the the, the reason yeah, you don't want to play out that last year is you're worried that you're going to get the type of injury he got and suddenly it changes your your career. Now, obviously, he recovered from it. He played really well in the Super Bowl. Uh, Marshawn had the same similar injury. But like that's like you understand why players don't want to do that because it's a violent game. Stuff like that happens. Um, but yeah, we, we've talked way more about this than I anticipated. It, we, it got going. I guess CJ inspires that. Yes, CJ. CJ... GJ. All right. Let's wrap this podcast up. A good time as always. It has been a long week of free agency. (laughs) I think things will slow down for the Saints now. As we mentioned earlier, we will be talking to all three of the signees. That's Jamal Williams, Colin Saunders, and Nathan Shepard tomorrow. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'll definitely appreciate the Saints, obviously, hooking us up, especially when we got a huge Friday show. Why couldn't we get this when we had one of those four to eight shows going on? We got yeah, a if you want to hear tomorrow. those, if you want to hear those interviews, a good way to do it will be listening to Sports Talk from what, what, four to five thirty? Four to five thirty. Yeah, then we go to pregame coverage, LSU baseball at Texas AM. But you know what? There could be a rain delay. So maybe we might milk some stuff. Who knows? Yeah. Hear us for 90 minutes, which is really like 50 minutes after commercials but we will have all three of those interviews and we're going to play them uh so if you want to hear those check it out i'll also try to post them on youtube when possible i don't know if it's going to be kind of a tight turnaround so i'm going to try to get those up uh but they'll be on youtube eventually so you can check them out there and and i'll hopefully get them up on the site as well so keep an eye out for that this has been inside black and gold thanks for everyone who listened give us a rating give us a review wherever you get your podcast hit the subscribe button and we will be forever in your debt. All right? Good thing. All right. Peace.